Our world today seems wild and out of control. It seems almost impossible for ordinary people to make wise decisions that can keep them safe and healthy. Welcome to Words from the Wildwood. I am your host, Richard Stidham, and I hope to give you today a better understanding of what is really happening in the world around you and how you can hear God's voice over the noise of the world around us. Let's go today to our new segment. Welcome back, everyone, to our study in the book of Revelation. We're getting to the exciting stuff. Tonight, we're going to be in chapter 7 of the book of Revelation. So go ahead, get your Bible, open up to chapter 7. Let's do a quick review to bring you up to speed. The saints of God are in the throne room worshiping Yahweh. They are singing praises to his name as creator and as redeemer. As we saw before, Jesus has come forward as the lamb that was slain. He has taken possession of the scroll, meaning that he is the rightful inheritor of the entire universe. And now he will begin to open those uh, seals. So the first seal was opened, second seal, third seal, right through the sixth seal. Having done all that, the forces of war, famine, and death have ridden out with their new political fuhrer, their leader, who is going to overtake the world. Now we see these four horsemen ride and we see the terrible things that are about to happen. And we ask the question, what hope remains now for those who are left behind? For those who are in the world who have not been caught up in the rapture, what hope remains for them? Well, there is hope and that hope is this, that there will be evangelism after the rapture. Right now, this is the time of the Gentiles. This is your time, my time, our time to tell the world that Jesus saves. But after we are gone, after we become those elders sitting on those thrones, worshiping our God, there will still be things happening on the earth. Now, John looks on again today in Revelation chapter 7. We're going to turn our attention now to three groups of people who are taking part in this next scene that John beholds. The first set of people that we see, we're going to call them the witnesses. The witnesses, Revelation 7, 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, restraining the four winds of the earth so that no wind could blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel who had the seal of the living God raised up from the east. He cried out in a loud voice to the four angels who are empowered to harm the earth and sea. Don't harm the earth and sea or the trees until the seal of the slaves of our God are placed on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 140,000 sealed from every tribe of Israel, 12,000 sealed from the tribe of Judah, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, and 12,000 sealed from the tribe of Benjamin. Wow, that's 144,000 people. Now, you may have encountered in your life people who belong to Jehovah's Witnesses. 
The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the 144,000 represent the 144,000 sacred members of the church, um, the Jehovah's Witness Church. And they are the ones who will inhabit the new heaven. They will be with God in heaven, only 144,000. If you dig a little deeper, you will find that all of those born after the 1930s cannot be part of the 144,000. They will hope then to rise up to live in the exalted or the purified or the restored earth that we have here today. All of the pollution, all of the destruction, everything will be done away with, and earth will be a paradise. So that is the hope of all those who are not part of the 144,000. But as we have just seen, there's a problem with that. It says right here in the scriptures clearly that these 144,000 are sealed from every tribe of the Israelites. I told you once before, this is the time of the Gentiles. This is when we reach out to all people of all nations, telling them that Jesus saves. As it seems today, uh, the people of Israel have forgotten their God. They have forgotten the name of their God. Uh, many devout Jewish people will not speak the name of Yahweh. They believe his name is too sacred to be spoken. Yet that is the name that he gave his people to call upon him so that he would hear and answer their prayers. So God's attention has turned away from the Gentile world and has turned to the people of promise, the people of Abraham that he said he would save, that he said he would bring into the kingdom. So this will be their time. That is why the 144,000 are sealed from every tribe of Israel. They are going to go to their own. Their own. In fact, they uh, form a kind of um, tribulation redemption force. Uh, Romans 11.25 says this, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So in a sense, um, Israel had hardened herself against the Messiah, hardened herself against the one who had come to redeem them. And they did that in order that uh, God's attention could be focused upon the Gentile world, upon those who were not by nature the children of promise, not by nature the children of Abraham. But when that time was fulfilled, then the attention will turn back to Israel. You remember that when Abraham went to the promised land, uh, he was told that your, your ancestors, your, your children's children will inherit this land because the sins of the people have not reached their pinnacle. They've not reached that high point where it is now time to end their reign and give it over to the children of Abraham. So in the same way, when the last of the Gentiles is saved, when the last of us is brought into faith in Jesus Christ, then the church will be raptured. Then the church will turn its attention back to the people of Israel. So all these are Jewish people who will form a kind of tribulation force, a force of people who will go out into the people of Israel to bring them back in to faith in God. So it's going to be a very exciting time for Israel in those days. But we're going to keep going on. Not only that, they become an encouragement to those who were suffering in the first century. In the first century, uh, Christians were dying. They were being slaughtered. And they began to think that there was no hope. But this was a way of giving them hope then. And it gives us hope 
today as we suffer. Now, the second group I want you to see is right here. We're going to call them the victors. Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked and there was a vast multitude of every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were robed in white with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. So, are these the saints of the rapture? Many people who believe, who have studied this, believe that these are those who came out in the rapture, those who were brought in. That's why there's a vast multitude of every nation, tribe, people, and language. The whole world of the Gentile believers that, that comes out of that time of the Gentiles brought into heaven together, and their robes, are, of course, are white because they've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. They have these celebratory palm branches in their hands, and they're waving them, salvation belongs to our God and to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb. So that's a very important picture that we have. It's the same picture we see in Zechariah 8, 22-23. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek Yahweh of hosts, in Jerusalem, and to entreat the favor of Yahweh. Thus says the Yahweh of hosts, In those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. You see, in this day, with all of those people gone, with all of them dis disappeared, Suddenly, Israel will reemerge as the evangelistic force of the world, and the peoples of the world will be drawn to them. We see this again in Isaiah 66, 18 and 19. For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and shall see my glory, and I will set a sign among them, and from them I will send survivors to the nations of Tarshish, Pull and Lud, who draw the bow to Tubal and Jovan, to the coastlands far and away. They, they have not heard of my fame, nor seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the nations. An interesting picture that there will be this time in the end when the whole world will begin to be drawn back to Jerusalem, drawn back to the God of Israel, and that's because their faith will be rekindled. They will be fired up. They will be brought back in these exciting days. They will be days of tribulation, but they will be days of great evangelism, great outreach, a great gathering together of those people on earth whom God had previously left in a kind of darkness, but now they become the evangelistic force. They rediscovered their Messiah. They have found what they missed when Jesus came the first time, and now they will come seeking him because he will be coming again soon. Remember, the tribulation is only seven years, seven horrible, terrible years, but the tribulation will prepare people for the second coming of Jesus Christ, when he will bodily return to the earth, and he will ascend the mount, and he will stand on the temple mount, and he will proclaim that he is Yahweh, that he is the God of heaven, and that he has come to be with his people. So this is going to be important days, powerful days. But right now we just see the victors in heaven. They have overcome in the world. They have overcome the tribulation. This would be so important to the Christians of the first century. This is in the mid to late 90s, so 95, 96 AD. 
Christians have suffered terribly. They've suffered in the Colosseum. They've suffered horrible, uh, agonizing death. And they're beginning to give out. They're beginning to, to quit believing that anything can happen. Yet they reach back into the past, Zechariah, and they pull up these promises. They pull back this revelation that God is going to redeem the entire world. And he is going to redeem Israel because Israel will be the last evangelistic force left on earth after the church has been removed. So they will go back to being what they were always meant to be. Israel was always meant to be an evangelistic nation. They were always meant to be an example of what God's people looked like. Remember, just because they got obsessed with their own individuality, their own purity, their own righteousness, and they began to look at the rest of the world and think, oh, the world is so terrible. Let's just be holy over here by ourselves. The same thing has happened in the church, my friends. Sometimes the church thinks, let's build everything inside the church and we'll protect it. We'll stay in here with other believers and we'll just let the world go to heck in a handbasket. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to reach out, to shine a light in the darkness, to be hope to all those people. We should be those people that the nations flock to and they cling on as they show us who the Messiah is. Show us who Jesus is. And if we let our light shine in the darkness, people will be drawn to it because the Holy Spirit will draw them and you can testify about what's going on. But let's finish up our picture. We're still in Revelation chapter 7, but now we're verse 11. We've seen two different groups. We have seen the witnesses who have been sent to make this change in the earth. We have seen the victorious people in heaven. Some call them the victorious dead. They have uh, lost their lives on the earth, but they've regained them in the heavens. But they also are joined by those who were raptured without death, those who were caught up together in the air with them. And now we see one more group. We're going to call them the suffering saints. The suffering saints. Revelation 7, 11. All the angels stood around the throne. So there's our first group. The elders and the four living creatures. So now we're back to our three groups. Angels, the Christians, and the four living creatures. And they fell face down before the throne and worshiped God. I said it before, if you don't enjoy worship, if you don't enjoy lifting up the name of God, if you don't enjoy praising God, you are going to hate heaven because that is all we do. We worship and we praise and we give him the glory for who he is and for what he's done. Verse 12, and they do this saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, who are these people robed in white and where did they come from? Now, of course, the elder knows, but the elder's wanting to see if John has deduced this, if John has figured this out. I said to him, sir, you know. Then he told me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. There's two ways to look at this statement. Uh, some have thought that this statement refers to those Christians who are in the world, I'm sorry, those people in the world who are coming to faith in Christ after the rapture of the church and they are being slaughtered for their faith. Therefore, they are coming out of the midst of the tribulation. But there are also those who look at this and go, yes, God said that we would be spared from his wrath. We would have tribulation, but we will be spared from his wrath, from his anger. And so these are the ones who have been brought out 
of or saved from or taken away from this time of great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they serve day and night in his sanctuary. The one seated on the throne will shelter them and they will no longer hunger and they will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them nor will any heat. For the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them, protect them, be around them, uh, guide them. He will guide them to springs of living water. That's what Jesus said. He said, "He said, I have springs of living water that flow out of me, and you can have the same thing if the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now notice, it says, He will wipe away every tear. Christians have wept bitter tears for 2,000 years waiting for our Jesus to come back. We have wept tears for those who we have lost, those loved ones who rejected Christ, turned away from Christ, turned away from the church, turned away from the Bible. And we have wept because of their loss. Also, we've wept because we see what's happening in our country. What's happening in our country is horrible. People have lost their minds. But worse than that, they have lost their souls. People have forgotten that there is a God who will hold them accountable. It says in the Old Testament that the, the people had no fear of God before their eyes. That's today in America. And I weep. I weep for this country because this is not the country I remember. When I was born so long ago, it was a different place, a different time. And I've seen this country grow cold. The hearts of men grow cold. And it, it, it burdens me. That's how I know that the time of his coming is close because it is so bad. Consider this, John 16, I have said these things to you, he's reminding them, that in me you may have peace, that, that my shalom, my peace, my wholeness, my wellness will dwell in you. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Very important. You will have tribulation. You will have hard times. You will have difficult experiences, but you will not experience the wrath or the pent-up punishment that God has coming on the world. The Lord knows we suffer. Jesus said to his disciples, If they hate me, they're going to hate you. If they persecute me, they are going to persecute you. I don't understand pastors who keep saying that God wants you healthy and wealthy and fulfilled and overflowing with money and blessings and all this stuff. That's not what he said. All he said is if they hate me, they're going to hate you. If they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. And if they dislike me, they will dislike you because you are mine. If you stand up for the things of God, if you stand up for the things that Christ calls us to stand for, people will not like you. They will feel challenged by you. They will feel offended by you because you represent something that they are not. So understand that being in the world, you run that risk at any time of someone saying, hey, you believe in this God, and you believe in one way to heaven, and therefore I can't, I can't accept you. I can't accept who you are, and I can't accept what you do. So think about this. We have suffered on this world, but God is a God of all comforts. He can comfort us when our friends turn their backs. He can comfort us when our health is broken. He can comfort us when the country that we love has fallen apart and has fallen into a kind of disrepair. Um, that is, is just really difficult to look at. But he says this. He says, all these things 
are, are taking place, but you are not going to experience the wrath of my Father. You're not going to see the terrible things that we're going to see in the coming chapters. As we go through the coming chapters, you will see the terrible things that will await the world. And remember, the purpose of God's punishment, of his chastisement, the purpose is to wake you up, to bring you back, to show you what is true and what is meant to be. I want to leave you today with just a couple things. They are the names of God. God has names in the Hebrew language, and these names are not names as such. They are attributes. They are the attributes of God. They are the activity of God. They are the things that God does. And for those who are going to be facing these days, those who are going to be living in these horrible times, these two names for our God will truly help them. The first is this, Yahweh Shalom. Yahweh Shalom. Uh, some would say Jehovah Shalom, and that's fine. Uh, it's just a little bit of a tit for tat. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Yahweh Shalom, the Prince of Peace. It's actually Shar Shalom, but it's the same idea as the Prince of Peace, as the Yahweh Shalom, the peace of God, the wholeness of God, the wellness of God, in spite of all the things that go wrong in the world. If you're facing hard times today, difficult times, I want you to remember that the God of peace, of rest, of wholeness, of wellness is the God who stands before you with his arms reaching out and he would give that peace to you. He would lay it inside of your heart and you would never have to go without that peace ever again. And this works um, part and parcel with the second thing I want to give you. It's another name that the Bible calls, um, calls our God. It's Yahweh Shamash. Yahweh Shamash. You don't often hear this one referenced. And that's because it's in a very odd place. Ezekiel 48:35. The circumference of the city, the measuring up the city of God, the circumference of the city shall be 18,000 cubits. And the name of the city from that time on, speaking of the restoration of God's kingdom, shall be Yahweh Shamash. The Lord is there. The Lord dwells in the midst of that city. You don't have to go to a, a temple to see God. You don't have to go to a high mountain. You don't have to go to a sacred place because in the entire city, in the dwelling place of God's people, Yahweh Shamash, God is there. He is present. He is among them. And today, because the Holy Spirit lives within every Christian, then we can say truly, Yahweh Shamash, God is here with me, in my heart, in my soul, in my spirit. So even then, when my peace is disrupted, my God is with me. And that is so important. And the people who live in these horrible days that we're seeing right here in um, chapter 7, and we're going to be seeing more in the chapters to come, the only hope that they have is Yahweh Shalom, Yahweh Shamash, that the that, that, that peace and the presence will be there to sustain them and comfort them and take them through. John has seen all this. He has seen all these things happening because he knows that those who have come out of this, who have come out of it, are, are going to sing praises. But there are still those on the earth, those who must go through, those who must go through it. Now, there are Christians all over the world suffering. 
There are Christians being persecuted in countries around the world. There are Christians being slaughtered, murdered, everything they have stolen, um, their very lives taken because they cling to the person of Jesus Christ. So they understand the suffering servants. But they can look at this chapter, they can look at chapter 7, and they can go back and they can remember that one day a vast multitude of every nation, tribe, people, language will stand before the throne, white robes, palm branches in their hands celebrating peace, and they will cry out that salvation belongs to our God. Whether you grow old in the comfort of the United States or whether you live in a country around the world where you are persecuted and you must be careful and quiet. I'll tell you this, church, in America today, if you are a Bible-believing Christian, you have to be very careful how you speak, very careful what you say, because there are people listening who would raise up a tumult against you, because to silence you is to silence the conscience that is conflicted within them. So as you go through this week, remember that you have peace. Remember that you have his presence and redeem the time for the days truly are evil. And I will see you again as we continue in the book of Revelation. Thank you for joining us today on Words from the Wildwood. We are a listener-supported program presented without commercial interruption. If you have enjoyed this program and want to support our outreach, please send any gifts to Richard Stidham, P.O. Box 1321, Baytown, Texas 77521. Thank you for listening today. God bless, and we will see you again in the Wildwood. <laughs>